Let's join together in the call to worship. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Know that the Lord is God. God made us, and we are God's people. Thank God and bless God's holy name. God's faithfulness knows no boundary, no end. Seated, please. Let's join together in prayer. 
Lord, we come here this morning from many different places, but for one purpose. We come here to spend time and to be with you. So now we take a moment in silence to lift up to you the thoughts, the concerns, the prayers that are in our hearts. Amen. Let's join together in the prayer of preparation and confession. Merciful God, we confess that far too often we do not want to have a Savior who also makes demands on us as our sovereign. We would prefer Jesus to be subject to us rather than the other way around. We have our own plans and agendas, after all. We are happy for Jesus to rubber stamp them for us. But a Savior who is our sovereign, to whom we owe allegiance and obedience, no thanks. So forgive us for our foolishness, God. Forgive our arrogance and selfishness. We know that everything we have and everything that we are is a gift from you. Yet we are so often forgetful, rebellious, and stubborn. So thank you for not giving up on us. We ask your forgiveness and restoration, not because anything we have or have not done, but only for the sake of Christ, the King. For it is he we pray. Amen. We have a loving and a merciful God, and whenever we confess our sin, he is quick to forgive. Amen. Well, let's stand and greet those that are around you. Day and those that are uh, watching live uh, on Facebook and online, uh, glad to have you here participating. If you're seated on the inside of the aisle, if you'll take the pew pad, sign yourself in and pass it on down. If you're a visitor here today, a special welcome to you. There's a place on the pad where you can give us your contact information as well. I invite you to turn to the color page, which is the bulletin highlights. There are two whole other pages of announcements that are in there that contain lots of good information about things that are happening, lots of service opportunities, all those kind of things. We want to especially lift up today our stewardship campaign. We have made good progress in the last week, um, and uh, we are now at 899,000. We're looking for the 1.5 million, so we have some ways to go. If you haven't filled out your pledge card yet, there are some in the pews right in front of you. You can take them out and do that, or you can go this afternoon onto the church website, and there's a way to pledge there on the website as well. There's a women's retreat coming up in January, and the announcement is there about that. Today, following this service, our children's department are filling shoeboxes uh, for Operation Christmas Child, and they're going to have milk and cookies. It's going to be over in the Guild Hall. You're invited to go over and participate in that as well. Don is teaching a class uh, following this on what does the Bible mean. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and go down to the Kettlewell Room, participate in that class. And then finally, there is an announcement about the big concert, the Christmas concert coming up. There are yard signs that are available. You can buy your tickets. And then finally, put your, on your calendars, December 4th is the annual Christmas caroling. It's the, when they light the tree across the street, and then people come over and we sing Christmas carols following that on December 4th. Let's bow together in prayer, please. Universal Spirit of Life, God of many names, 
source of all being in which we live and breathe and have our being. We come together in prayer, even though we fully don't understand how it works. We come together to stand before that which is greater than us, the great mystery of your being. So on this day, we pray for those things that we struggle with, the conflicts we feel within ourselves and between us and those we love. We pray for guidance, compassion, for an opening of a path. We pray for those things that give us joy and hope, for those things that we trust in and believe in and will sacrifice for. These are gifts of grace, and perhaps we need not to find them in order to savor them, rejoice in them, be thankful for them. What we do know is that we gather this morning with all kinds of needs. Some are facing serious physical problems and are in need of healing. Others are in need of healing of a different kind, emotional and spiritual. Some here are facing family problems. Some are weary with the struggles of life and seek assurance that this will someday pass. Others face financial difficulties and the specter of making difficult decisions for themselves and their families. For each of us, we speak the deepest prayers of our heart in different ways, knowing that what it means to be answered will look different for each of us. But may we somehow this morning be met at the point of our differences and also in the places we are one, of the same breath of life that courses through all things. May we always hold in our hearts gratitude for those things that bless us with their presence, forgiveness for the ways we have turned from those blessings, and the willingness to open ourselves anew to this beautiful and hurting world. In the name of truth, compassion, and justice, O God, we pray this morning the prayer that our Lord taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have the joy and privilege this morning of celebrating a baptism, one of the sacraments that we recognize here at our church. So I invite Jaden O and his family to come on up and join me. So Jaden let me know that he desired to be baptized. He came over and we met in my office for a little while. And, and in Jaden's very own words, he said, you know what, I think it's time to make this whole God thing official. <laughs> yeah, get the thing started. So uh, after having a conversation with him and assured of his faith, I just have a couple of simple questions for Jaden here and the witness of you, our congregation, before we baptize you. Jaden, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. And that God sent him on earth? to die and to pay the penalty for your sin? Yes. And do you also believe that God raised him from the dead and by doing that he conquered sin and death? Yes. And I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And by his public profession of faith and baptism this morning, we welcome Jaden as a full and official member of our church as well. So I would like to have you guys welcome our newest member. Yeah.
It doesn't stop there, though. I have a question for you all, because you have a new responsibility. With a new member in our congregation and our church family, I would like to ask all of you if you would commit to him to help in every way encourage his journey and his faith in Jesus Christ. Would you do so? Please say yes, we will. You got a whole gang with you, man. It's going to be a good journey. Thank you. Have a seat. Sunday, we have a class of uh, six eighth grade students that have gone through the past nine weeks with me, um, and as of yesterday, uh, publicly expressed their faith through their own written faith statements, which were fantastic and beautiful to hear. So I would like to invite all the confirmands to come up and their mentors so that we can introduce you to the congregation. Just stand right in a row with your confirmation mentor right behind you. And Kathy, I'll have you start us off. If you guys would move to that podium and just speak into the microphone there with your confirmand and introduce them to us. Oh, okay. This is Kat Millian. She um, is uh, one of our um, confirmers. How do you say it? I don't know. Um, she is an avid basketball player, competitive. Um, she's very thoughtful. Um, she speaks hi highly of her brother, um, who's older. And um, we welcome you to the church. We had a lot of fun with you. Thank you. And this is Cecilia DeFazio. And she is a bright, kind, gentle soul who loves her pet rabbit. <laughs> she is on her faith journey, and through this confirmation process, she's had many questions which may or may not have been answered to her liking. But the more we learn, the more questions we all have. Cecilia has grown up in Piedmont and attended Piedmont Community Church for many years, going to Sunday school with her older brother, Nico. And the church and her supportive family have helped her find a place in her heart for the Lord. And she has learned from him to never give up and show forgiveness to all. When you meet Cecilia, you can see Jesus living in her. Her quiet, kind spirit is what we need more of in this world. Welcome to the church, Cecilia. We're so glad you're here. Michael Osborne, and I have the honor to introduce uh, Jaden Records confirmation. He's an eighth grade student at Head Royce, and he plays, like uh, others we've heard, plays competitive basketball in the AAU League. And it's something that uh, may have meant to be, given parents went to school at Duke and UNC, basketball's got to be in his system. <laughs> Yesterday, we had a chance to hear about Jaden's fondness for one of Jesus' most impactful teachings, and that's the golden rule. And if he continues to keep the golden rule top of mind, I know he's going to grow to be a very thoughtful Christian leader and an outstanding gentleman. The world needs more Jadens. Congratulations. Hello, my name is Blair John, and it's my honor to introduce Lauren Ashton. Um, Lauren is, loves to ski, and from what I hear, she's pretty good at it. Um, she loves the outdoors. She's recently been in the Boy Scouts, which I think is very cool. Um, what I see in Lauren is a bright light. Um, she's interested and she's interesting. She's outgoing. 
Um, she's fun to be around, fun and easy to be around, you know. Um, and the last time we hung out, we were with myself and her and my six-year-old son, Evan, and we were hanging out on Piedmont Avenue. And um, they're walking down the street holding hands. <laughs> she's good with kids. Um, my hope for you, Lauren, is that you, your faith journey grows from here and that you're blessed in everything that you do. Um, we feel like we've met a new friend, and if Evan has his way, a new babysitter. Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Kate Mays. And um, when I met Kate, I actually I hadn't met you before confirmation started, so I didn't really know what to expect. Um, and after we had our first meeting, I texted Scott, and I was like, OMG, Kate's amazing. And I think a little bit of it is my ego because I, I feel like I see a lot of myself in you, um, hope, like all my better qualities in you, I guess I just said. Um, so ego aside, I think what you need to know about Kate is that she's, she's a very strong swimmer and a former ballerina, but I think more importantly is her character. She's incredibly introspective, not afraid of questions at all all like the amount of like good good questions that you generated was such a benefit to everybody including us as leaders um, and just the conversations that we would have are just so rich and so deep and not afraid of not knowing not afraid of being sure of what you know um, anyway I'm just so so proud that you're here and that you're on this journey and um, I hope that you can all embrace her and get to know her as I have There's one other student um, that had went through the confirmation process, um, Charlotte Davies, and she was unable to be here this morning. She's in Southern California at an elite soccer tournament, and her mentor, Mia Tyndall, wrote something down and asked me by way of vicarious introduction that we could remember Charlotte as well. First time I met Charlotte was at PCC family camp about three years ago, when her mom, Frankie, was one of the organizers of the Christian Education Board. Charlotte is four years older than my son, and he's like her big sister now. Her big sister, Grace, along with the Mays kids, all made a point of making sure that my son had fun and was in their group. I remember thinking at the time how nice it was, and I also got to know Frankie and her dad, Matt, better during that weekend, which was a real treat. They're wonderful people, and as many as you know, Frankie and Matt have deep and impressive roots in our community. Charlotte is an athlete who plays competitive soccer on a developmental team. And because of that dedication, she's not able to be here today. And she's in Southern California playing in a tournament. During our time together, Charlotte had some remarkable wonderings and astute questions about God. Teachings from the Bible and how all that might fit within the context of a secular world. What most impressed me was her openness, her curiosity. She generally wants to know what others think and what their point of view is. She's kind and silly but also has a serious side, obviously thinks deeply about things. Charlotte is a gem, and I'm happy for her and her family in the occasion of her confirmation. So they stand before you desiring to become members of our church after going through this confirmation process, and I just have, again, a word for you. If you are willing to come alongside them, not only to welcome, but to encourage them on this journey as they go, do I have that from you as well? then we welcome you on behalf of Piedmont Community Church. Let's welcome them in.
I wanted to give a little bit of an introduction for those of you that may not have gone through a confirmation class when you were younger, um, and actually to even give a, an explanation of why we have our confirmation class for eighth grade students. And I want to do that by actually reading some excerpts from our church's creed. This was written in 1915 by some of the founding fathers of our church, and I think it's quite interesting. They stated of themselves, this church is a body of faith that strives to offer hope, strength, education, and fellowship. What does it expect in return? Above all, the church expects sincerity. Sincerity in your attendance, sincerity in your giving of time, talents, and resources, and sincerity in a relationship both to your pastors and to your feather congregants. Sincerity in the willingness to serve and be served. Sincerity in the commitment to learn and to grow. Sincerity in your conduct, and of course, sincerity in belief. And then this is how the creed itself starts. We favor a sane, simple, and earnest piety, free alike from cant and extravagance. We assume no right to dictate to another his creed, but with charity for one another's individual peculiarities of belief, we unite on the basis of the Christian religion. That's why we have confirmation. It's not an indoctrination process where we go in and we tell them what they're supposed to believe if they want to join our church. We welcome what they come with. We try to give them all the information and materials of the Christian faith that we can explain to them and offer to them and kind of shine a light on. And then we give them the opportunity to tell us what it is they believe and why. So it really is an exciting process. And I think if you guys could be a fly on the wall and hear some of the questions that come from these students as we wrestle with everything from did Noah's Ark really happen to was Jesus really born of a virgin and how did he do all this other stuff that he did and how am I supposed to respond to what I'm hearing? Really is a cool process. At the bottom line of it is the word faith. I want to give you just the biblical definition from our passage in Hebrews this morning, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. And this is the definition of faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. I'm going to say that again just to let it sink in. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. Sure of what you hope for, certain of what you cannot see. What are you guys sure of and hopeful of, but yet you can't tangibly put your hand on it? Can't prove it to somebody else? Well, faith is an interesting idea, kind of a squishy proposition. Sometimes I wonder if in our thought of attaining faith, is it man's search for God, or is our journey towards faith really God's passionate pursuit of us? What does it look like, faith? I think it looks as individual as the person that possesses that faith. But I want to give you just an example Maybe you can put your own faith alongside a couple of these characteristics that in the 90s and 2000s, hundreds and hundreds of people were polled on what characteristics they have because of their faith. What does their life look like because they have faith? Number one is a person that had a mature faith says they trust in God's saving grace and believes firmly in the humanity and divinity of Jesus. A person with mature faith experiences a sense of personal well-being, security, and peace 
This person also integrates faith and life, seeking work, family, social relationships, political choices, and the like as part of one's religious life. He also seeks spiritual growth through study, reflection, prayer, discussion with others. It seeks to be a part of a community of believers who will give witness to their faith and support and nourish one another. And a person of mature faith holds a life-affirming values, including commitment to racial and gender equality, affirming of cultural diversity, and a personal sense of responsibility for the welfare of others. And finally, a person of mature faith serves humanity consistently and passionately through acts of love and service and justice. I'm not quite sure if it's the chicken or the egg with that list, whether a mature faith produces these types of characteristics or whether just a person that seeks to live out these types of characteristics arrives at something that they're not sure of, but they have a great hope in and they have a mature faith. I'll let you guys hold those up to maybe some of the pillars that you think would describe your own faith and how you arrived at that journey. There's a wonderful story of the family of mice that live in this grand concert piano. And they live down in the depths and the bowels of the piano. And their greatest joy in life is when the music maker makes music in the piano. And they get to just relish and enjoy and soak up the beautiful music that the music maker provides. And as time would have it, one of the younger mice that was a little more curious than the others decided he was going to try to make his way up into the piano a little bit. And he made this life-changing discovery. He realized where the music came from. It was the strings, the wires. So he checked them out, looked at them. They were thicker to thinner, and they were long. And he proudly went down to the mice family and said, I've discovered where the music comes from. It's from the strings, the wires. Everything changed for the mice, because now they knew where the music came from. But the music lost a little bit of its specialty because now it wasn't such a mystery. But the whole time, the music maker continued to play the music. Another journey up through the piano, that young curious mice went beyond the wires and he saw the hammers. Felt covered that when they strike the wires, they make the beautiful music. So he goes back down to his family again. I discovered even more groundbreaking. The music doesn't come from the wires. The music comes from the hammers that strike the wires and they make the beautiful music that we enjoy. And again, they were enlightened and a little smarter. All the while, the music maker continued to make music. Sometimes arriving at a place of faith, we just need to listen to the music and not be so curious as to where and how it comes from and where we receive it. We had a kind of an aha moment in one of the confirmation classes, and I loved it. I mean, the questions are firing, there's doubt, there's belief, there's curiosity, and at one, I don't even remember what exactly we were discussing, but at one point, one of the students just said, hey, wait, why in the world did they believe him? What a great question. So we stopped for a minute, and we kind of unpacked that question, and it was such a legitimate question. Why in the world did those first believers who first exhibited faith in Jesus Christ, why in the world did they believe his claims and who he said he was going to be? Well, I think there's a lot of things that go into why they did, but I want to just look at a couple of them this morning. And maybe as we look at those, we can look again at our own faith 
and what we're sure of and hopeful that we can't see. First of all, I think there was just great anticipation over generations and generations and generations of Jewish people that God had made a promise and a covenant with them through prophetic words and through prophets themselves that at one point in time there was going to be a great Messiah and a Savior to come that was going to put everything in a new perspective. It was no longer going to be a God from afar, but it was going to be a personal God. And it was no longer going to be this vicious cycle that the Jewish people and the Israelites had been on throughout the entire Old Testament. Because really the whole Old Testament can be summed up in kind of a, this little cycle where the Jewish people find themselves in trouble and enslaved and they're crying out to God. And the reason they're in trouble and enslaved is usually their own doing, but God in his mercy and his grace says, I will save you and lift you out of that. So he does that. And then they become a little bit more self-confident and self-independent. And then they find themselves in trouble again. And then they either get overthrown or enslaved. And then God comes back and he saves them again. And that cycle continues. And finally God says, I'm going to put an end to it. I'm going to change the game. When that Messiah comes, he's going to change everything. And he's going to revolutionize not only the world, but your own faith and belief in me. So everybody of the time of Jesus knew that that was going to happen. They believed, they hoped that it happened. So when Jesus showed up, just their sheer anticipation was enough to get them out to see who he was, what he was claiming, and what he was doing. But the really cool thing is that no matter why they came to see him or encountered him, there was not a single person that ever was in the presence of Jesus or had an encounter with him that didn't end up being changed in some way or another. And that change came because of the way they felt, either as they interacted with him or as they heard about him. Their faith journey started with a knowledge that he's making me feel something that I haven't felt before. I don't know if you guys can remember in your own faith journey the encounters you've had with Jesus that have changed you. The encounters that were firsthand, that were emotional, they may have been third, fourth, or fifth hand. You might have been sitting in the seventh row, four seats from the back. Or you may have been in Tahoe overlooking the beautiful snow in the lake, and it happened there. But whenever someone has an encounter with Jesus, they are changed because they feel something. Let's start with his disciples. They're fishermen, probably not the sharpest tools in the shed. They didn't really make it in education, so they were workers and laborers and fishermen. They're out there tending their boats, throwing their nets, working hard for their living. Jesus shows up by the lake. says, hey guys, put the nets away. Put the oars away. My name's Jesus. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Leave everything alone and come with me. And they looked at each other and they said, I'm in. Really? You leave everything that your life exists to go walk with this guy and experience this guy that you know nothing about? They may have heard some things, but there was something about Jesus that when they in, he invited them to join him, they dropped it all and went with him. How do you think he made them feel? There was a woman who was a social outcast from a place called Samaria. She encountered Jesus at Jacob's well. And he showed up and he says, woman, would you give me something to drink? And immediately she knows who, at least where he's from, and where she's from, and she feels inadequate. In fact, he starts engaging her in a little conversation, and without too much time going by, he calls her out on exactly who she is, what she's been up to, how many times she's been married, and what she's doing with the guy she's with now. She was like, I don't know who you are, but you know a lot about me, 
you must be the Messiah. He says, you have no idea. You want to drink the water out of this well. If you want the water I have for you, you'll never thirst again, and your life will be different. And her response was, i got to go tell everybody I know. And on her way, he clarified for her that, by the way, all those exclusions and places you weren't invited to go before, you're now a part of it. In fact, you're the kind of people that God wants to worship him now. How did he make her feel? There was a centurion, a guy that was in charge of 100 Roman soldiers, and his kid got really sick. He sought out Jesus, and he said, not can you heal my kid. He said, will you? Jesus said, yeah, let's go. He says, we don't need to go anywhere. I know who you are. You just say it, and it'll be done. Just like when I tell my troops to do something, they do it. Jesus says, I've never seen more faith than that. There was another woman that suffered from a bleeding infirmity almost her whole life. She was desperate. Social outcast, humiliated. Somehow, she was so sure of what she hoped for and what she couldn't see that she fought through a crowd just to touch the cloak that he had on. He knew it immediately. Who touched me? Everybody's like, well, what do you mean who touched you? There's people touching you? No, somebody touched me and power went out of me. And woman, by faith, you're healed. How do you think he made her feel? There were a bunch of religious leaders that not only maybe enjoyed the same things that he invoked in people of, of wonder and curiosity and love and grace and acceptance and hope, but he also evoked some other things in other people like fear, being threatened, anger. And some of these religious leaders set up this whole scenario to get Jesus in a catch-22. So they ripped this woman out of an adulterous bed and stand her up in front of everybody else. Nothing on, humiliated. She should have been punished. There were laws in place that she could have been. Jesus said, nope, I don't condemn you. Anybody condemn her? From the oldest to the youngest, they started dropping the rocks and they all left. How did he make her feel? And what was her life of faith like after that encounter with Jesus? How did the religious leaders feel when he kind of dismissed them just with love and grace and acceptance for that woman? There was one other group of religious leaders that responded to an encounter with Jesus in such a dramatic way, and they were so threatened that their way of life and their posterity and their, their status was going to be questioned because of what he was claiming to be. And their only answer was to arrest him and to beat him to a pulp and to nail him to a tree and kill him. Jesus conquered that by rising from the dead. How do you think he made them feel? How does Jesus make you feel? What does your faith consist of? What life journey have you been on in encounters with him that have led you to have hope and faith? I think the way we follow Jesus, the way we respond to the faith that is offered to us as a gift and as a product of an encounter. It, I want to encourage us in pursuing those, but I want to give us a little caution as we act on that. When I was after high school and before I started college, I got to go to a Young Life camp in upstate New York, and I was a ski instructor, water ski instructor. And one thing I found to be true about every single person that tried to learn how to water ski they get back there, you're in a weird environment, you got these boards strapped to your feet, there's a boat in front of you with a, a rope, and you're white knuckle holding onto this handle, 
And the instructor says, all right, just let the boat pull you out of the water. And the natural reaction is always, as soon as that guy hits the throttle and the boat starts to pull them out of the water, they try to stand up. Because they think, i got to get up, right? i got to be on top of the water. And as soon as they stand up, what happens? They go flat head over heels. So then they get back and they try it again. And some people get it right the second time. Other people, it takes four or five times and they almost drown. But if they let the boat do the work and pull them out of the water, they get to experience this wonderful thing called water skiing. I think the process and some of the challenge for us as we continue on our faith journey and become people of a sincere faith, we need to be with Jesus a little bit more than we think about doing things for Jesus. We have the encouragement and the responsibility to serve others and to have our, craith, our faith accomplish great things. But I think we need to let the boat pull us out of the water for a little while and maybe not try to do so much on our own. Let's help Jesus bring out a wonderful life-changing experience of faith in all of us. And then let's seek to change the world through service. Amen.
join in the prayer of thanksgiving. Holy God, it is with joy that we respond to your presence in our lives. We ask that you receive these gifts and offerings as our thank you. Thank you for choosing us as your own. Thank you for guiding and protecting us through life's storms. Thank you for the privilege of serving you. Thank you for your love. We pray, we pray in the name of our Lord and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. place, I encourage all of you to greet and meet both Jaden and the confirmation students out in the courtyard, extend a hand of fellowship and welcome to them and let them feel welcome. And as we all continue on this journey of faith, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see, may you do so in the knowledge and understanding that the God of the universe cares for you and offers you love, grace, and mercy. Amen. <laughs>